Welcome to the world of digital sound. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show. And it's a podcast which uh, comes to you by request. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to tell you who requested it, but um, what can I tell you about this? Right, okay, what I can tell you is that um, a friend of mine contacted me, a guy that, you know, I'd, I knew long time ago and he, he basically said uh do, do you remember when such and such happened i'm surprised you haven't talked about that and i thought about it and i thought do you know what you're right i'm surprised i haven't talked about it either because <laughs> it was quite a quite a big event really in uh in our lives and you know with phone hacking scandals going on in the uk at the moment i guess it's i know it's it's pretty uh pretty apt i think um, so let's just qualify this and start by saying that any part, all of this, none of this may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide and for you to then make your assessment of this podcast in the comments section. This is uh, Ken's podcast stories. And this one is called So Close. OK, um <laughs> God, this is going to be difficult to know where to start on this one as well. Right, okay, let's let's go right back to an event that occurred when I was 19. And it involved me being on the fringes of somebody getting beaten up. Now, normally, it wasn't something I'd be involved in. It, it was well out of my league to be involved in anybody beating anyone else up. It just wasn't something that I or my friends, my particular circle of friends, would ever be asked to get involved in. Well, one or two of them maybe, but uh, certainly not me. And um, the situation was that we'd ended up in a warehouse and I watched a guy get tortured. And uh, the, mainly because... It was myself and a few of the guys that had gone to go and get this this guy and also a few of his friends. All we had to do, job was very, very simple, wasn't a paid job, go and collect the guys and uh, bring them to a warehouse. Uh, those of you who have followed these podcasts will know that um, uh, it, it's not uncommon for that sort of thing to happen or for people of my sort of level back in those days in Coventry to uh, to get involved in something like that. So anyway, we were sent out to go and collect a guy. He didn't want to come. We forced him out of his car, into our car, in the back seat. We uh, basically put tape over his mouth. We bound his hands with tape. And uh, we then put a paper bag over his head. Um, we drove out of Coventry and uh can't really say too much about this really but exact location but um what we did was we went to we we went to an industrial estate in Evesham now uh Evesham's a lovely town if you ever get a chance to go there please go hopefully not for these reasons but uh we we ended up in Evesham now to get to Evesham you have to go through Stratford in uh, now there's a bypass but in those days you had to go through Stratford and fuck me that was close I mean we had him in the back seat we got caught in traffic going through Stratford which is I mean everybody knows Stratford upon Avon you know Shakespeare well, let me tell you, it's a it's a little town with a lot of little wiggly streets and the traffic is horrendous. And the particular route that we took, oh, bloody hell. I mean, we, we got sort of middle of the way through it. We got stuck in traffic 
and this git was kicking and screaming in the back of this car there were two of us in the back of the car and two in the front all right and the guy who was kind of he'd been forced down into the footwell of the back seat if you know what i mean and uh anyway he was kicking and screaming stratford being the sort of place stratford is there were just a million people walking up and down this high street and there's us driving through the middle of it with a bloody guy we've just kidnapped in the footwell of the damn car well um we got through stratford and uh we shot off down to evesham and uh i mean it was a place i i kind of knew but uh, I kind of, you know, I didn't have a lot to do with it, but there was a, a particular warehouse in Evesham and it was a place that was kind of shared by people from Birmingham, by people from Coventry and, uh, you know, uh, certain other places as well. It was like, it was a collective safe house, if you like. So to get to this um, this warehousey type place we had to go down a couple of dirt tracks off this industrial estate and there was a place there that did glass and glazing and uh they were 24 hour and they were still open which was a bit of a dog for us but still so anyway we went to the warehouse hit a horn front doors opened and uh we took this guy in uh he was taken out the back of the car and we waited then for two other guys to turn up now, I don't know what these guys had done. I, I really, it's not my concern. But all I knew was that we were going to also take him back because the guy was just going to get a kick in and then he was going to be delivered back to where we got him from, basically. So we knew that there'd be claret all over the car. So we were using a mm, borrowed car. Can I say borrowed car? We were using a borrowed car. Um, if you can hear tapping in the background, by the way, it's because the rain has just absolutely started hailing it down. And it's hitting the window. Anyway, uh, so we know what was going on. So I, I wasn't, you know, they needed information out of this guy. All right. And we were there just to, and the, the guy just was shitting himself. I mean, he was shitting his fucking bricks. He was put in a chair. His legs were strapped to the chair. His arms were strapped to the arms of the chair. And uh, his body, the, his chest was taped to the top of the chair and they basically uh, a couple of guys took turns in smacking this guy <coughs> he took um probably the best part of i don't know maybe five minutes worth a little bit longer maybe and that all they were asking him for was a name and they kept saying to him just give us a fucking name and uh he was like no 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 it's more than my life's worth blah 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 and they were saying, well, you know, what do you think is going to happen here, man? You know, you you are going to give us a name or we're going to start removing toes. And uh, I believe these guys were, were serious in what they were saying. Anyway, another beep outside and the door, you know, beep opens and uh, another car came in. A couple of guys I knew, kind of, the, I think they were from Birmingham. And uh, I'd, I'd kind of... And say met him. I mean, it, you know, it almost sounds like a gangster convention. It these guys had been used when you know there was a joint thing going on, and you know that's where I knew him from. Anyway, these guys came in, and their guy, they literally pulled out the car by his leg, <coughs> scraping his face on the uh, floor as they were dragging him out. Once he did get out of the car, they were kicking him, and then they handed him over to these other guys, and. Uh, 
obviously the two guys who had been uh, abducted knew each other. Oops, excuse me. Uh, and they um, were kind of looking at each other and the guy that had just arrived was looking in horror at the other guy's face, which was pretty smashed. And uh, they were saying to each other, uh, they were saying to these two guys, look, you know, uh, one of you is going to give us a name. And if you don't give us a name, then we're going to make sure everybody knows that both of you gave the name. So you are going to give us a name and then, you know, everything's going to be sorted. You're going to go back to where you came from and never darken our doorstep. Right. So it was one of these sort of situations. Um, the other guy said no, he, he wasn't going to give a name either. So uh, what they did was they went off and picked up a hammer from uh, a bench. And Guy walked across to where the bloke was strapped in the chair and basically hit his foot with the hammer. Just one blow. I don't think I've ever heard a man scream like that. It, it wasn't... It wasn't a scream. It was, it was something more than a scream. It was, I can't even describe it. It was pretty bloody horrible. It ran chills down the spine anyway. And they asked the guy again for a name. And he said, you know, he was just shaking his head at this point. So they did his other foot. And then some guy said, oh, fuck it. This is taking too long. Jesus. So he grabs the hammer off the other guy and he just repeatedly bang, 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 bang on this guy's foot, shouting at this guy, give me a name, give me a name, give me a name. Oh, fuck me. Um, and he didn't stop. I mean, he didn't stop. He must have hit him 50 times. And you could tell that this guy was going to pass out with the pain. You could tell. And he, he was, still wasn't giving a name up. So they grabbed the other guy, the second guy that had turned up, put him in a chair and went, your turn. And then the guy went, it's, and he gave a name. Now the name he gave was, uh, his first name was Tony actually, but that was Tony such and such. He immediately gave the name up. And um, the, the guy that was controlling it just went, uh, good lad. Now how do I know you're telling me the truth? And he's saying, yeah, no, I wouldn't fucking lie to you, man. Not, not in this situation. I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you. And he said, right, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll do you a deal. Uh, this guy's had both of his feet smashed. If you're lying to me, I'm going to take both of your feet off. And trust me, I'll do it. And fuck me, that put a chill down me as well. I believed him. I really seriously believed him. He would have done it. There's no doubt about that. He would have done it. So anyway, um, these guys that were kind of in the warehouse, they, they all went off huddled in a corner and the, the bloke looked at us and said, get these fuckers back where you found them. So we untied this guy, unstrapped him from this chair. He couldn't walk. There's no way he could walk. So we gagged him and uh, we put him in the back of the car and we did our bit. You know, that was all we had to do was, you know, we got the guy out of Evesham, we went back through Stratford, uh, went to where we collected this guy from, and we basically uh, just dumped him where we found him, next to where his car was, actually. 
uh, and we walked away from it. We walked away. We went. We in fact went for a beer, and a few of the boys were there when we got for a beer, and they're saying, you know, well, you guys been so hard doing a job, you know, and, uh, helping out such and such. Oh right. So yeah, yeah. Down in Evesham, <gasps> oh, playing with the big boys. Yeah, yeah. On the fringes, mate. On the fringes. And then we were saying, you know. It was really nasty. <laughs> and we were all having a bit of a laugh and a joke about it because that's what you do, you know. Um, fear is something that you you kind of, uh, you deal with in any way you can. And trauma is also a way of doing that. You ask any doctor or nurse in a hospital how they deal with some of the horrific shit that they have to look at. They use humour to deal with it a lot of the time. And that is the only way you can deal with it sometimes. And that's what we did. So anyway, um, we went by, uh, didn't hear anything at all. <clears throat> we carried on our normal lives, you know, meeting in the pubs, doing the nightclubs, uh, you know, t- the dancing with the ladies and pulling what we could and then, you know, dumping it the following week. And, you know, <laughs> bastards, didn't we? <laughs> so <laughs> we just carried on our lives as normal. And then I'm lying in my flat one morning and um, I got got a knock on the door and it was a pretty hard knock. And I thought, oh, here we go. One of the fucking boys is pissed. All right. So I went and answered the door in my boxer shorts and I was jumped on by four coppers. I can't believe it. I was literally jumped on. All four of them. My fucking cat ran out the front door. (laughs) Seriously. I'm in my boxer shorts. And I'm handcuffed. And I just thought, what the fuck? And the cops had go, Cops looked around the flat, realised no one else was there, told me to get dressed, and they stood there while I got dressed. And I said to one of these coppers, do you mind if I take a shit? <laughs> and he was like, he was all hard up until that point. He was all like, yeah, fuckers, you'll come with me and all that. Oh, no, you need to go to the toilet? Oh, all right, then we'll wait. <laughs> Anyway, I went <laughs> went for a shit, and uh, I'm I'm thinking, you know, there's no way I can contact anybody to let them know. And I said to the guards, to this copper through the door while I'm having a shit, I said, "Can I get my one phone call before I leave?" And he went, "No, mate, you you're not allowed your phone call." I said, "What? What do you mean I'm not allowed me phone call?" He said, "No, we got special permission from a magistrate. You can't call anybody uh, for the first four hours." I thought, fucking hell. So anyway, they dragged me down to uh, Little Park Street in Coventry and uh, put me in a cell. I sat in this cell for the best part of two hours. Copper comes in. Turn around, please. Turned around. I thought, aye, aye, hope he's not a bender. And uh, hands behind the back, handcuffs, led out the back door into a car, off for a fucking drive. And I thought, what the hell's going on here? They took us into Birmingham. They took us to the headquarters of the Serious Crime Squad in Birmingham and then put us in a cell. Now, I, when I got there and was locked up in the cell, I realised that someone else who had said, can I have a light for this fag, mate? I, I recognised the voice. And I went, is that you? And he went, Ken, yeah. I said, what are you doing here? I don't know, mate. What are you doing here? He said, I don't know. They just fucking jumped on me and dragged me down. They um, interviewed me. Christ. They interviewed me for an hour. Uh, this was without a lawyer. And it was without a tape deck. 
and it was with two coppers who were, shall we say, threatening. Yeah. And they were asking me all sorts of questions about that night that I'd ended up in Evesham. And so I knew what it was all about. And they were saying, where were you that night? I said, I was in the pub. What time did you get to the pub? Got to the pub, seven o'clock. I didn't get to the pub at seven o'clock at all. Got to the pub, crossed. Um, it was just foreclosing. I got to the pub. But anyway, me and the boys. But because I, I remember, because I only had time for a beer before he shut, bastard. Anyway, um, so I said I was in there from seven, drinking with the boys. Any witnesses? Yeah, the whole pub was full of witnesses. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyone can verify. I said, well, the landlord will, because <clears throat> it was a friendly landlord. And I knew that if the police said, you know, what time did Ken Burton get here? The, he would have said, oh, Ken and the boys come in about seven. They left about closing time. Because that's what he would have said, uh, because he was a friendly, friendly landlord. So anyway, um, they interviewed me for the first hour, no tape deck, no lawyer. They then put me back in the cell, put, isn't the right word, they um, manhandled me back into the cell, and then uh, a couple of hours later, they brought me out again, asked me the same bunch of silly questions. Again, no lawyer. Again, no phone call. Again, no tape deck. And then I was thrown back in the cell, and brought out again two hours later. Now, this continued until, Christ, it probably continued till about midnight. And I said to them, look, guys, we've been at this all day. I'm going to need a break. You, I want a lawyer for a start. Uh, I want my phone call, and I want some rest. I want eight hours before you interview me again. So the coppers went, yeah, 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 all right, all right. I said, well, you know, I do I do know my rights. I mean every lag in those days knew pace and you know knew what the knew what the law was about. So we all knew what the law was about, so we knew our rights. So they left me alone in the cell. At half past two they came back in and interviewed me in the cell this time, which was entertaining, because they weren't exactly very friendly. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't, I don't even know which of these two coppers gave me the first hit, but um, I got my ass kicked that night in the cell uh, to the chance of other people in uh, other cells shouting, leave me alone, you bastards, leave me alone. And uh, I got my ass kicked and I was, you know, asked, are you going to fucking talk to us or not? And this went over and on and on and on. And I told them nothing. I kept saying I was in the pub uh, from seven till closing. And that was it, blah, blah. And if you want to know any more, you can piss off. So, you know, simple as that. Uh, now, they, uh, the, as I guess they were in there for about half an hour. And then they left me in there. And then they threw a couple of paper towels in through the little slot and told me to clean myself up because I appear to have fallen over and injured myself. And then they went into another cell and had a word with one of the other lads. And uh, anyway, I guess the next time they come in was about six and it was two different coppers and they came in and were interviewing me again in the cell and I was saying, look, you know, uh, I know my rights, um, you know, go and get me a copy of Pace, I'll, Pace and I'll fucking point it out to you why you can't talk to me in here or without my fucking lawyer. And uh, basically, uh, one of them slapped me around the face. Now, I'd already got quite a nastily bruised left eye because of where I'd been hit. 
and uh, to be slapped on that bruise really hurt. <laughs> really hurt. And I said to these coppers, right, I want to see a desk sergeant. I want to see. Um, I want to see an inspector, and I want to make a formal complaint. And this copper went, "No, you fucking don't." And he kind of looked at me with one of those looks that says, "You want to trust me, mate? You don't want to make a complaint." So anyway, um, come about eight o'clock in the morning, I was thrown out of the back door of the police station in Birmingham. Um, I've got no wallet. I've got got no uh, money. Uh, I've got absolutely nothing. Now, as Fortune would have it, where the police station's located in Birmingham, there is... um, uh, It's not very far from the actual town centre. And I was able to get to a flat of somebody that I knew. And uh, thankfully, he was in, let me use his phone, and even then gave me a lift back. And uh, basically, that's when we kind of found out that all of us had been pulled. Uh, Most of us had ended up in Birmingham and we'd all had the same, you know, treatment. So uh, maybe a few, three or four days went by and we discussed this. And to be perfectly honest, though, it wasn't the first time this had happened. I mean, we had been nicked before and we had been thrown in cells before and we had had the odd slap before. So there was no great shakes about what happened that night. Uh, So anyway, a few days went past and uh, knock at the door, answered it. And I was arrested again (coughs) in connection with um, the incident that took place on the whatever. And I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, we've been through this. I said, right, look. I need to phone my lawyer and if you lot are going to deny my rights like you did last time then I'm really going to kick up a fucking stink about it and cops went no you can bring your lawyer right fine okay so we get to little park street police station and there's two cops there and uh, we're chatting away you know these two cops giving it all this again you know uh, where were you on the night of? And I said, look, I've already told you guys this when uh, when you guys took me to Birmingham. And they went, we never took you to Birmingham. Oh, fucking hell. Now, obviously, by this point, I'd got a lawyer. And uh, he sat next to me and he knew the score. He was a really good guy, represented me maybe five or six times before. And uh, he knew the score. And uh, I just went, right, that's how we're playing it, is it? I, I never went to Birmingham. You guys didn't nick me early in the morning, drag me to Birmingham and fucking quiz me all bastard night. Anyway, my lawyer looked at me, shook his head as if to say, don't even think about it, Ken, you ain't going to get anywhere. And uh, we went through the interview and the interview seemed to be a waste of time. And it was unlike any other interview I'd had. They asked me some very basic questions. They went out the room, came back in the room and said, you're free to go. I thought, right, okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't much of an interview, but okay. Got back to my flat, and uh, when I got back, my phone wasn't working. I thought, this is a bit weird, but there was a BT van. No, it wasn't BT in those days, but um, it was, anyway, it was a telecom van. So I'm thinking, oh, right, we've got a problem, have we? Right. And then, ding, on my phone, and I thought, oh, okay, so the phone's back. Picked up the phone. As I picked up the phone, it went, what? Put the phone down again. 
pick the phone up again it's not made that noise before how interesting okay so I thought the last thing I'm gonna do is talk to anybody on the phone at the moment because I've got like super suspicion going on in my head now complete fucking paranoia I got in my car went around to my mates as I left my flat I was followed two guys in a car and they were blatantly following me they weren't they weren't trying to hide the fact they were following me every turn I made they made there were always like one car behind me and I went round to my mates and they parked down the street and I got out went in and uh, I went to see my mate and I said to him you're not going to fucking believe this they've nicked me like again and he kind of looked at me <coughs> and said, yeah, they had me last night. I said to him, is your phone making funny noises? And he just kind of shook his head. And I thought, what the fuck? He took me outside into the garden and said, I need to show you this lawnmower I've just bought. Come and have a look. Took me into the shed and said he thinks his house has been tapped. I said, how the fuck do you think your house has been tapped? He said, because shit, when I left, isn't in the same place as when I got back. That's how. But there's no forced locks. There's no windows been accessed. The whole place is shut up like a fucking drum. And yet, shit is not where I left it when the police nicked me. Right, okay. Super duper paranoia has now cut in. And I told him that I was being followed. So he said, right. We go dark. Now, going dark was something that we had talked about because it was a well-known protocol. It was, call it a protocol? It was a well-known uh, method of protecting yourself. Okay? Now, what my next move was, was to go down the pub with the boys. And basically, I got back to my flat, phoned one of them and said, I am going to the pub are you coming with me and he went what the fuck are you are i said um uh i need to go before it gets dark he said sorry i said it gets dark and he went oh dark dark right okay i'll see you in the pub so we all went down the pub and we all sat on a table and uh, we even got paranoid about the table we were sitting at, the usual table we sat at. So we moved fucking tables. And, you know, we all kind of sat around talking to each other. Who walks in the pub? Two of our friendly-faced uh, guys from Birmingham. The uh, coppers. Thought, that's interesting. Boys, to your left. And we all looked across. They weren't hiding the fact they were there. They wanted us to see them. And this went on for the best part of a week. Seriously, it went on for a week. I couldn't open my mouth. I was getting, you know, the phone calls that I was getting. I was, you know, everyone was having to, you know, get the word out to everyone we knew that we'd gone dark. We were um, under surveillance. And, you know, we were looking at, you know, well, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here? And periodically, one of us would get pulled. 
and they they seem to be taking it in turns. I mean, uh, I got pulled on a Tuesday. My mate got pulled on a Thursday, and then another mate got pulled on a Sunday. You know, and they they would drag us in Little Park Street, little bit of a chat, conversation, get the fuck out. And they were just trying to wear us down, or they were in our flats retrieving, you know, whatever. So, uh, I mean, I, I didn't look around the flat for the recording equipment because it would have made it too obvious. So I didn't bother. I just carried on my normal everyday life, uh, minus anything that I would normally be doing for any of uh, <laughs> any of the undesirables I hung around with. But we, um, Christ, I washed the car, I cleaned the flat, I went down to play my mates at snooker. Uh, we went down the boxing club. We went uh, all over the place, really. Chewing gum's just gone in, by the way. If you can hear chewing, that's what it's about. Um, this went on, you know, for maybe two or three weeks. Each of us would get pulled on a different day. Sometimes we would end up in Birmingham. Sometimes uh, we would end up in Coventry's Nick. We were never charged. Each time we would pull the lawyer in and, uh, you know, then things started to take a slight turn for the worse, probably after about three weeks. Um, one occasion, for instance, I went to get in my car because I was, I was actually going to my mum's for dinner. Went to get in my car and uh, a guy wearing a suit, driving a very nice car, who... I can only imagine was a copper. Um, I didn't recognise him, just walked up to me and uh, basically punched me, sucker punched me in the back of my head. And then he grabbed my face and smashed it against the windscreen of my car. And then he got back in his car and fucked off. And I went down to the hospital to get an x-ray uh, because I was really concerned I'd, I'd actually... Uh, caused the problem because my eye was really fucking painful um <coughs> and turns out i'd uh, cracked um i'd fractured the eye socket he had he'd fractured my eye socket so i didn't get out my mums and um this kind of happened uh in bits and pieces dribs and drabs one mate uh was <laughs> he was walking to his sister's house from his house which is literally one street away and some fucker hit him from behind with a tire iron or he thinks it was a tire iron right in the back of his leg and uh, then again you know the guy pissed off and again you know we're talking about suits here um, it started to get quite ridiculous every time just about every time I got in my car I got pulled over and my documents checked. Um, my tyres on my car were examined. You know, I was given breathalyzer tests. Uh, and maybe th th this maybe happened six or seven times in a week. And uh, then one particular uh, morning, uh, I was woken at six o'clock because my door was being put in, and I was being raided, and my flat got searched. I didn't see any warrant. I did ask for one, but I didn't see one. <coughs> and I know this was happening to the rest of the boys as well. And we're all sitting there thinking to ourselves, when's this ever going to fucking end? This is mad. Now, it turns out in the background that the guy that we had taken to Evesham 
had uh, basically gone to the cops and uh, decided that he was going to grass. And he grassed up a whole shitload of stuff. But in part of that was the proviso that the guys that had kind of beat him up, the guys that had basically ruined his walking for the rest of his life, uh, all went to jail. And that's why we were being picked on. Now, this guy turned out to be what they used to call in the old days a supergrass. He knew shit about shit that really people wanted to hear. So uh, part of his deal with the cops was that we all went to jail. So the cops really didn't give a shit about how they were going to achieve that. They just wanted to achieve it. Uh, I guess the last straw for me came when uh, a friend of mine who was connected to what we did that, that night, he was actually the driver, uh, his... His car got stopped, and it was actually his car. And the police found heroin in his car. Now, this guy is one of the most vermin anti-drug guys you would ever wish to meet. If somebody came near him with fucking heroin, he'd have stabbed him. There is no way on this earth that the guy had anything to do with heroin, ever. And uh, he got nicked for it. He got nicked, he was up in front of a magistrate, he was uh, remanded in custody uh, for supply uh, because of the quantity he had. And, you know, as a drug dealer, he was looking at some serious time, possibly 10 years. Then another friend of mine got busted and um, they found a, a gun in his car and it was... It was a piece of shit. He, w he would have never carried it, you know. He wouldn't be seen dead with something like that. It was some really old piece of German shit gun. And they did him on firearms charges. And they then said that this gun had... They'd proved that this gun had been used in a robbery. And, you know, they'd also got him for that as well. So I just, I just sat back and waited for my turn. And then... Um, Somebody I knew quite well came round to my house, round to my flat, and he said, "I've been talking to a few people who've been talking to people, and they reckon the best thing you can do is get the fuck out of here, just just get out of here for a while till something gets sorted." I was like, "Right, okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea." So what I did was um, got a friend who lived in London, and uh, I packed a bag, put it in my car and took off for his place. I'm guessing that I probably got about three miles. Then I heard the blues and twos behind me. <laughs> it wasn't only the blues and twos though, was it? Uh, there were blues and twos, there was a cop car, and an unmarked car. And uh, the two guys uh, in the uniform came and got me and said, you've been speeding. No, I fucking hadn't. And they said, would you mind coming with us? And they put me in the back of the car while they wrote me a speeding ticket. The other two coppers examined my car. And guess what they found? A sawn-off shotgun in my boot, in my bag. And uh, they kind of went, aye, aye, what's this? I've never seen it before. And then the copper grabbed the butt of the gun and hit me in the stomach with it. 
and I basically grabbed my stomach and in so doing inadvertently put my fingerprints all over the fucking stem of this gun not on the trigger maybe but all over the handle and he went cheers and then they took me away so on this particular occasion I was taken to uh, Coventry locked in a cell and I asked for a lawyer and was given one thought that was good and it was my brief that turned up and I said to him you know look this is completely fucking wrong man this is just a fit up this whole thing is just a fit up and he went yeah but um, don't worry about it what do you mean don't fucking worry about it Jesus Christ man I'm going down for potentially five years for the weapon and then whatever else that weapon's been used for you know I mean they could have used this to murder somebody for Christ's sake I could be going down for that and he went no don't worry about it fucking hell I said you're off your head he went trust me just trust me so I'm in the cells for three nights They'd interviewed me two, three times. I was in front of the magistrate and was remanded. But they they had more questions, so they kept bringing me back uh, uh, to the cell at Birmingham. Which surprised me, really, because usually when they remand you, they throw you in a remand jail. But they kept me at Birmingham anyway. So my brief visited on the third day I was there. And uh, he said to me, you know, you can do as many interviews as you want. Just give no comment interviews. And I'm not going to turn up. So just give no comment interviews. Right. Okay. So they dragged me out the cell at two o'clock sometimes, three in the morning, five in the morning. uh, Asked me questions and I would give them this time, though, with a fucking tape recorder. And I would give them no comment, no comment, no comment all the way through till the point where they got pissed off and threw me back in the cell and then the last day I was in the cell and I remember it was uh, yeah it was it was a Friday because I'm thinking I'm not going to spend another fucking weekend in here Jesus Christ copper comes opens the door said you're free to go (laughs) what you are free to go right so I walked to the desk desk sergeant's desk he handed me my shit told me I was free to go and uh, I said well hold on a minute I've been charged with such and such yeah uh, there are no charges right okay and then my lawyer walked in and I looked very very confused and he actually had one of my mates with him and uh, he said, come on, Ken, we'll take you back. Oh, fucking hell. Right, OK. So we got, in the, we got in the lawyer's car and he took us back to Coventry. At which point he said, we've been working with the uh, police for a little while now. Uh, not with the West Midlands police, with the Metropolitan Police, who have been investigating the actions of the West Midlands Police serious crime squad and basically all of the coppers from the serious crime squad have been arrested did you're fucking jesting me nope 
every fucking one of them. And guys, if you don't believe this, go and look it up on Google. Every single copper from the West Midlands Crime Squad in those days was nicked and the unit was disbanded. And that is something I can tell you is a definite. I can believe it. can fucking believe it. Mind you, the way these guys acted, it didn't surprise me, I guess. It shouldn't have surprised me. But I'm just surprised that, you know, there was any of the... It turns out our brief had been working with a lot of other lawyers who had made some formal complaint through, I don't know, some process. And um, the West Midlands Crime Squad had been, you know, infiltrated by officers from the Met who were working out what these guys were doing and how they were doing it. And basically anything that they had even got their hands on, any case uh, that was currently outstanding, anything that, that they had done over the past six months, people were being let out of jail, for Christ's sake, because they'd been fitted up by these bent coppers. It was unbelievable. Got back to my flat and I wanted to phone a few people, let them know what was going on, pick my phone up. My phone's dead. BT van outside. Hmm. Very bizarre. Had a cup of coffee and then heard my phone go blip. Interesting. Picked the phone up and there was no noise. There was a dial tone, but there was no... None of that going on. They'd untapped my phone, which was nice of them. Coppers had been in my flat, definitely, without a doubt, because shit was all over the place when I got back. And it wasn't left that way. I know a lot of people had keys to my place, but they respected it, you know. And uh, I found my mate. I said, do you know what's going on? He said, yeah, we do know what's going on. I said, it's unfucking believable. He said, it is unbelievable. He said, because you, my old son, have just prevented a tent stretch along with everyone else that was involved that night, was going down for 10. And that was the deal they'd made with this guy. And I just, I was absolutely amazed. Uh, absolutely amazed. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable to be in a position where you are banged to rights to do a 10 stretch and then let out of jail and then told to piss off. Anyway, we met with the lawyer. We talked to him. We said, have we got a case? Do we go and sue them? What do we do? What do we do? And the lawyer said to us, I think you'll find, boys, there's no evidence. I said, sorry. He said, I think you'll find there's no evidence. The guns, the shotgun from you, the handgun from such and such, the um, heroin, uh, the cameras in your various uh, flats, anything to do with phone tapping, I think you'll find that there is no evidence of any of that left. Ah, okay. And as it turned out, he was right. <laughs> he, he was one of the best guys I ever met from a legal perspective it was such a shame that he died a few years later it really was but he, he was such a great guy uh but 
as far as I'm aware, even two years afterwards, none of the coppers ever ended up in jail for what they did. Pretty much all of them did a deal to take early retirement. And as they're no longer serving officers, they couldn't be disciplined internally. And there was no evidence to say what they'd done. So they'd obviously got friends who had got friends who had made sure that there was no evidence around. And that was how they worked it. That was so close. It was so fucking close. But it did teach me one thing, you know. Justice comes in many forms. And that, my old mate, is just one of them. This has been Ken. This has been the Ken Burton Show podcast story. And I will see you on the dark side. And don't forget to leave a comment on the video. I'll see you soon, guys. Take care. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Shutting down all systems.